are valuable to God. Today, specifically, we're going to look at the story of the sheep and coin and uh, talk about just the value each and every one of us. I mean, talk about each and every one of us, no matter our age, we're valued to God. In fact, today, we even opened up two new venues for little kids. We got a nursery room. We got a toddler room. Like we value every age group so that we can invest and love and lead on um, every age group of people. So we love people. And you're going to hear that, where that heart comes from here in Luke 15, both this week and next week. Here's this one. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners in Luke 15, 1, often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, right? Isn't that just awesome? Even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, He'll joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, it was not customary for anybody who considered themselves to be close to God to associate with sinners in this day. That's why they're making such a big deal that Jesus is like, is he a drunkard? Like he's hanging out with the, the people that are partying. And he's like, they're, and they want to hang out with Jesus. What is up with that? It's just messing up their paradigm. Their mind is literally, right? It's blown. And so that's why he's telling them a story. Like, here's my why, guys. My why is the reality that Uh, people matter to God. People are valued to God. And he starts to tell this story. Well, this story, specifically the sheep, deeply impacted open life's history. Some of you may know this story and some of you may not. But in the fall of 2009, we decided as a family, the Huff family and some leaders we had gathered in our home, about 30 plus of us, came together in our living room and said, man, we need to to start a church. We feel like God is challenging us to start a church that would touch lives of people who've really never grown up in church. And it would allow this gospel, this great news that God is for you, that you're valued by God to make sense to everyone. So we started to gather in our our living room and began to preach through uh, some different series. And one of them, right at the beginning of Open Life, was this passage we were going to preach through, Luke 15, because we really feel felt God was calling us to a particular group of people in the community. See, when we ran the numbers back then in 2009, uh, it said that uh, with the target address, there was about 88% of our community not going to church. And about 12% would say they were affiliated with some sort of a 
gathering on a weekly basis. And so we had in mind, man, 50% of people will never go to church. So if there's 88% not going to to church at all, about 50% of that 88%, someday we want to be able to take the gospel to them. And we just began to run that reality and passion through our lens. And it motivated me. I'm like motivated when you say you can't do it or when the odds are against you. I'm like, let me show you, right? That's just kind of, that's the way God wired me. And so we were like passionate about the 88% and just began to do this thing called open life. Well, as we're looking at this text and we begin to preach through the the lost passages in a series called Lost, we realized just how valued people were and maybe how the church got off track and what God was calling us to uniquely do as open life. What do I mean? Well, let me put it back into the terms of the story. In our community, the reality was 88 sheep had wandered away from the flock and only 12 remained. In fact, the shepherd, at some point in time, had made a choice to stop going after the lost. And the shepherd decided instead that the lost made their own choice to wander and leave the herd. And they were going to now focus their energy on keeping what herd was left safe from any outside influence. Predators, beasts at night, bad things. They made sure they looked pretty, they were clean, the rain didn't get on them. Their wool was the softest. They looked nice, they sounded good. And an outside influence would come and they would say, no, 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 I'm keeping these, but another one would wander. I'm keeping these, but another one would wander. Generation after generation after generation and they're left with 12. Now every once in a while, the shepherds caught on and they would say, well... We ought to go. There's like a lot of sheep over there. And now they're developing community. In fact, they're they're like, it looks like they're enjoying themselves, which is not right. Because we know the right way, the 12 of us. And they're like, but I'm going to go over there and I'm going to convince one of the 88 to join me. This, you know, over with the 12. And they would kind of hang out with one and then they would get them away and they'd run back to the 12 and they would try to like keep them and keep them and maybe another would go. And it just, so this has been going on for a while, right? Just this reality of all they could get to was like 12 sheep and they had become in a weird way the predator. Isn't that kind of like, like the whole story flipped and now the shepherd who was called to take care of sheep Now there's sheep in two locations, and they kept choosing the 12, and every once in a while trying to lure away one of the 88. And so as we read this story, and God's heart is saying, hey, leave the 12 in safe pasture, and come on over here, and be a light to the 88. We made this crazy choice, which we thought was just like, radical, amazing, insane at the time to say, I think the 12 are covered. There's a lot of shepherds focused on keeping, but we're going to go plant ourselves right in the middle of the community, right in the middle of culture 
and love people right where they're at. Be a light right where they're at. Not make them change their world, change their influence. We're going to just show them life and life to the full right amongst them and allow that light to be contagious. And year after year after year now, all of a sudden there's an integral part of culture who's found that Jesus is values them beyond measure. Jesus is for them, not against them. And this light begins to spread. But we never really expect these sheep that are in safe pasture to quite comprehend what's happening in the middle of culture. We've just made a choice. And that's the story, right? And we rejoice that like we party when Lives are being transformed. I can't wait till we have our next baptism. It's just fun to baptize people and we're like, ah, right? It's like, yes, I love it. Watching lives impacted and, and go public with their faith. So there's this challenge of, of how do we, our current culture has not grown up knowing this safe herd of sheep. They've, they've grown up knowing to just be amongst culture. And Jesus came for what was called in that day the lost, sinners. And he would eat with them and drink with them and live life with them. And the religious people were like, what is he doing? And he tried to explain through these two stories. Come on, there's lost here. How will they know unless we go to them? telling this beautiful story. And we can learn three things for us and for others through this story today that we're going to kind of look at and unpack. And then we're going to go into some additional realities in Luke 15 next week, which will lead us into really the heart for what we get to do at Easter and is share this good news for those who maybe have yet to hear it. Thought one today, Jesus accepts you where you are. That's important to know. Jesus accepts you where you are. You do not have to become something different to hear the good news about Jesus, God's love for us, his son. The religious leaders, again, were against associating with sinners. They would not even share God's love with them because they were unclean. They had to be perfected before they heard. Unbelievably hard, right? So obviously... People weren't hearing the good news. One must not associate with ungodly man, was their quote, their religious way. Jesus in Luke 14 ends the chapter by saying, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then he teaches this stuff about loving the lost. Jesus accepts these sinners where they are and the people Jesus is eating with called to hang out with Jesus. And they were called sinners. I mean, they were seeking to understand what he was about. Why did people want to hang out with Jesus back then, but not really want to hang out with the followers of Jesus today? I think we need to ask ourselves that question and look in the mirror. Like, what am I doing differently? If, if sinners don't want to hang out with me, I need to check. And what's wrong What am I doing that's making them feel like they can't? Or what is the world around me doing that makes them feel like they can't? There's a difference between acceptance and approval. Just because Jesus accepts you 
Doesn't mean he approves of everything you are doing. My kids will always be my kids no matter what, but they, uh, they don't get my approval for everything they do or everything they want to do, but I still love them, right? Pretty easy to comprehend that. Romans 15, 7 says, Therefore, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. <clears throat> I hope today you hear the truth that Jesus accepts you. You just, he accepts you just the way you are. There's nothing you can do today to be more acceptable to him. Nor is there anything you could have done yesterday to be less acceptable to Jesus. Like God loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to this earth to be born from the Virgin Mary, to grow into his 30s and live a sinless life, go to the cross, pay your sins price of death on a cross, be buried again, as Ed prayed earlier, rise from the grave to give us the promise of putting our faith in him and getting eternal life because of what he did, because of what God initiated, not because of what we can do for his acceptance. None of our work, all his work. It's beautiful. I love it. He's not desiring to let even one of us become lost. And he chases us with his life. It might do us good to begin to accept people for who they are around us. To love them because they're human. No matter where they're from. No matter how they got here. No matter the scenarios they come from. Let's follow in Jesus' footsteps and begin to love people. And maybe if we live out our faith very vividly, they'll even want to hang out with us. Because Jesus is contagious. And sometimes... The religious aren't. So we need to be careful. Thought two. God is actively looking for you. I cannot imagine being lost. I, I have to tell the truth. I'm your average guy, and I do believe I have a built-in compass. It's just the way I operate, right? I'm, even when I'm lost, I'm sure I'm not. It's just kind of the way it happens. I have been lost. Um, but never to the point of thinking, I'll never be found. Does that make sense? Uh, we were going to a birthday party not long ago. Uh, I use Waze on my phone. I don't know anybody else, Wazers in that? Yeah, come on. That's good stuff. Uh, warns you of hazards on the road. Doesn't tell you where they are. You just live in fear and drive. And, uh, you know, it, it, randomly it'll say there's a police officer ahead. And there's... Maybe not one, but you slow down and it keeps you honest. So, you know, you're driving and it'll kind of give you fastest routes and so you'll exit the freeway randomly and enter it back on. Well, one time we're going to a birthday party. Dana's brother's house. My wife is Dana. And uh, it's for the, the cousins are going to party together for a birthday. And so we're on the way to Monroe-ish, somewhere up there. And Waze suggests a shortcut. So we decided to follow Waze because Waze knows the way. So we're following ways, and we cut through Redmond, and we're going up some back way we've never been. Beautiful homes, beautiful countryside. Uh, and we're going the right general direction. If you zoom out on the map, which I did because I was a little nervous, because her brother lives kind of at the end of a road, like literally a dead end. And so we thought there couldn't be another way, but this map is telling us there is. So 
And it was sending us in the general direction. So we're going and we're driving. And, you know, the roads are getting smaller eventually and narrower. And then they got really narrow. And then it changes from pavement to rocks, which isn't normal. We haven't done this before. Looked a little familiar. The road was turning kind of like we could see how this could be a shortcut or whatever. And then it got really like the bushes were getting closer to the car and the the road was getting a little more, you know, but you could tell maybe there's human life at the end of the road. So we're still going and this is how people die, right? Using GPS. So I'm just explaining. We literally got to the end of this road and there was a shack, no bigger than that drum cage there and definitely about a hundred years older than this building. And it said on it, I kid you not, there was a sign on it, and the address was the exact same address as Dana's brother's house, and it said, the boonies. <laughs> That's when we knew we were going to die, right? I mean, seriously, it's like, where can we turn around but keep our eyes on anything that exits the creepy shack? And uh, so we were lost, but I knew I could at least retrace my steps still. We weren't like beyond being found. But there's people that literally get lost, and they believe they can't be found. Now, psychologists have actually studied this stuff. And they believe that you'll live longer when lost if you believe you'll be found. Isn't that kind of interesting? Because you won't give up. You have a reason to live. You believe somebody will find you. You're building fires, you know, on a beach and talking to Wilson. But you believe you'll be found. That's just kind of how it works when you're cast away. That was free. Anyway, uh, so you, you look and you do. There's, if you give up hope. But here's the reality. There are people living around us. Six of eight homes around us may not realize that there's hope for them. Chances are three of the eight homes around us don't believe they could be found. And God puts us in people's life to be able to speak into their future hope, which gives them life to the full. It gives them the option of life. God's actively looking for us. We're not beyond being found hope. God's passed this hunger to find people down to us. Like, we should, like, long for those that are living in a state of hopelessness to have hope. Maybe that prayer for you, if you're a follower of Jesus already and you're wondering what you should pray, pray for God's heart for those who don't have hope. It'll mess us up. It'll mess you up because you'll start to be broken for them. It'll reshape your heart to pray prayers like that. We should look for our neighbors that need to know that lostness, if that's a thing, is not going to dominate their future, but that there's hope, there's a future. There's life. And that was Jesus' whole focus. It says in Luke 19.10, the Son of Man came to seek 
and save the lost. He was particularly focused on those who thought, I'm beyond being found. Honestly, that was my story. I thought I was such a big sinner at the age of 21 that I could never be found by God. I'd gone too far from him. Boy, was I wrong. Way wrong. Maybe this will help. Those three neighbors of yours that maybe think they're lost beyond hope have three knots in common. And if you take up this passion of Jesus and you want to be able to be used by God and take those Easter invites that are in your worship guide today or back at the Connect table, and you want to be able to take that and and put it in the right hand that needs the hope of Jesus this Easter, and you want to take on that mission of saying, I'm going to look for the lost like Jesus looked for the lost, and be passionate and broken for those who think they're lost. If you want to make a difference, you can listen for three key phrases in conversation to know who is ready and who God is showing you like a cue to invite. And it's three knots. It's simple. Not in church, not going well, not prepared for. Let me explain. If you're like, hey, so, you know, they ask, hey, what are you doing? Well, I just got back from church. Oh, I'm, I don't don't go to church. I'm not in a church. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm not religious. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, I didn't grow up in church. Perfect. They'll get confused when you (laughs) affirm them. They're like, you know, and say, you know, I'm, I'm not into religion. Yeah, neither am I. Huh? But you said you go to church. Well, I'm not. I'm not in religion. I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I love what has happened to me in church. Like, I, I have hope for tomorrow now. And so it's really made a difference in my life. I think you'd love it. But if, you know, it's totally, take it at your own pace. Figure it out. <laughs> just whatever. They're like, you're saying I can't have it? No, I'm saying you could. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> if you're ever interested. It's funny. I had a conversation like that in my driveway not long ago. And uh, it was this kind of like, so, so. Again, where do you go to church? You know, it, just, it kind of went back and forth, and then finally you know, I, I invited him, and he came. And, uh, and just looking at that going, listen for that not-in-church phrase, and, and, and don't say no for them. I think we do that for people. If you're in sales, you know this. Don't say no for the person you're trying to sell something to. But we're not in sales with the faith. We're into sharing. We should know that in a social media generation, right? I mean, think of, your, think of a car. If somebody, I drive a Prius. Sorry for those of you who have big pickups. I fit under you but, and get in your way on the freeway. But uh, I can only go so fast with that battery. It's like, put my foot out the door. <laughs> Come on! Honk. It's like, <laughs> sorry. Uh, but the, if you're thinking of getting an electric car or a Prius, and you ask, man, what do you think of the Prius? I'm going to share what I think of the Prius. I'm not going to say, dude, you know what? I saw an ad for a Prius. You should go get one. I think you'd really love it. Here's the ad. I'm not going to share it that way. I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I get, well, I should get like 47 miles to the gallon, but I drive my Prius like a race car, so I get about 38 miles to the gallon. And, uh, but it's a smooth ride. It's great technology. I love it. I think you would love it if you want to check that car out. I would way rather that option of somebody sharing that way with me than trying to push a car on me, 
right? It'd be weird. I've never driven it, but boy, here's one. You know, it's like we, we don't want pushed at. We don't want marketed to. We want people to share. It's like the new recommendation thing on Facebook. I want recommendations. I want to know that this is, this is like a four or five star experience. And that's what we have the opportunity to do if somebody says they're not in church. Well, not going well. What about this? If somebody says, things just aren't going well. I mean, life has just hit a dead end. It's like every time I'm getting the speed up, I hit a speed bump. And, and it's just life is crashing in around me. You know what you need? The encouragement that I've found. Yeah, I find it at church. Come to the high school with me at 10 o'clock on Sundays. You know, whatever. It's that. It's super simple. When things are not going well, God, and somebody's sharing that with you, it's like God saying, I put you here for a reason. Here's your chance. Share some hope. Because God gives us hope that overflows. So we have extra. You don't have to hold on to the hope you got. You can give it away and you get more. It's not like it's the only hope you'll ever experience. You keep, he refreshes hope in us. And hopefully, that's why we give you tools, is so that you can share an invite or something with somebody who needs hope. And then finally, not prepared for that. It, it can be anything. It's like they're not prepared for the diagnosis they got from the doctor. They're not prepared for parenting and found out they're going to have a fourth baby. <laughs> and they're like, oh my word, I did not know I was going to move into a minivan, <laughs> buy sports cars. You know, it's like, you know, it's that moment of like, what did we do? <laughs> Why didn't we take care of this earlier? Anyway, uh, so, you know, it's just that reality of not prepared for. We're putting those scenarios, conversations all the time. I'm not prepared for job cuts. I'm not prepared for this administration. Enough of that. I'm not prepared for, you know, right? And we get worried. God loves to help people be free from worry. Students are like, I'm not prepared for my parents to have challenges. I'm not prepared for this test at school. Guess who can help you be prepared? Come with me, I'll show you. Jesus can help. Thought three. Heaven has a party because of you. Man, can we just lock in on this one? Because both scenarios, the sheep, all of heaven has a party over one lost sheep. The coin, she invites her, it's a coin. She invites her friends and her neighbors. Look, I swept. No, it's like I found the lost coin. This is amazing. You may be like the shepherd here when it comes to neighboring. And the shepherd doesn't grumble that he has to go find the sheep. That he has to carry the sheep on his shoulder back. He's elated that he has the opportunity to find a sheep. He's like, woo, got the sheep. And it's an awesome thing. I mean, the reality is, if you've been able to find the lost, you're a part of a miracle. And all of heaven is rejoicing, so join in on the party. God brings us to him. He actively seeks for us, finds us, and causes us then to be elated to find others. I think this is an area of potential growth for us. We should, we should be coming through our doors early on Sundays, like today. And, you know, uh, join the three that are here at 10 o'clock. 
or today 11, because the clocks move forward in the school. But anyway, you know, it's like, welcome, it's 11. How did you go forward an hour? It's like 24. But uh, the reality is, these clocks are wrong. It's just 10.52 right now. So deep breath, you're not late. Uh, that was total ADD. I just went off on a tangent. I'm back. Here we go. Uh, the reality is, right, that we come through these doors expectant to thank God for what he's used us to do in the lives of those who needed hope during the week. And when we come here and the worship teams prepared songs so that we can rejoice together in God who has used us to touch the lives of the lost. He's used us to touch the lives of the lost. We should come in with party mindset. God has used us to find someone. God has used us to invite someone who said a knot right in front of me so that I had the opportunity to intervene and bring hope into their world, give them peace. This is our moment, and we've been readied for it. And so we come together to celebrate. We come together to be equipped and go back out. But some of you, we came together today so that you could be found. Because maybe like me, you're sitting there and you're still going, it sounds great, but I'm still too far gone. No. No, 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 no. The lost are found when Jesus gets involved. That's the truth. This is the lost being found and us celebrating thing. You know, for Easter, in just a couple weeks, we take it seriously, the opportunity we have. It's this open moment in people's lives. Just something about it. They think, well, you know, I'll go to church. Some of them are like, okay, I'll... I'll. And we don't... Uh, if people come to church once a year on Easter... Awesome. We, we'll not give your friends a bad time that it's the only time they come to church, maybe in the year. But when they come to church on Easter, and probably hundreds more than usually come, we'll walk through the doors. We're going to just share the gospel in the most plain and simple way we have the opportunity to. We get to serve our guests that day. And it's going to be beautiful. And I look at this moment and go... Hopefully they sense the celebration in our lives that over the course of the last year, we've been found. Maybe over and over again. God's grace is new every day. He comes after us. He's constantly pursuing us because he values us. We're valuable to God. And so today, if you've yet, our action point today is be found. If you've yet to give your life to Jesus, if you've yet to just say, okay, here I am. I'm going to surrender to you and see how this goes, right? Man, today is a great day to be found. But as well, it's a great day to accept the challenge to seek and find the lost. So I guess there's two options you have here. Be found or be someone who finds those who are lost. I'm going to pray that over you. I'm going to pray for the next two weeks that God will use us to bring hope to those who do not have it, to be sharers, to live life open in this community. So God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you do in and through our lives. The power you give us, Lord, 
to touch the lives of those who feel that there's not hope for them, that they're not prepared for whatever it is that's come their way. Would you help our ears to be those that would hear as you challenged the people who heard this lesson that you taught right before you taught it? Would you help us to recognize when someone around us is lost? Would you keep us right in the middle of their world so that we could be the influencers of the 88 who have wandered? God, will you help us bring your light to the world? Make a deep impact in the lives of those around us. Help us know the three neighbors that need your message of hope the most and bring them in a couple weeks to Easter service. I pray that, Lord, you will awaken their heart to be open to the fact that there could be hope for them. And maybe today, Lord, you brought someone through the door that needs to be found. Maybe if you're sitting here and that's you and in your heart, you're thinking, yeah, I've yet to open my life up to Jesus. I've yet to open my heart up to be transformed and be one who loves others and seeks the lost. If that's you today, I want to pray specifically with you. God, help them right now to invite you into their life. Simply say, Jesus, come into my life. I open it up to you. I want to know what it is, Jesus, to follow you. And I want to grow in relationship with you. Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Worship team's going to sing a song and I challenge you to reflect. Maybe take that connect card and flip it over. Jot down a prayer request of where you're at. Jot down a prayer request for the person you're thinking of inviting to Easter. Let us pray blessing over them. Check whatever boxes fit. We want to celebrate what's happening in your life and see what God is going to do in you. And through you in the coming weeks, be found and let's find others because they're valuable to God.